right, boys and girls, I think you'll be happy to know that Mr. Todd is preparing something, has something downstairs. I don't know how much you guys like that. So if y'all want to head down, he's actually going to be talking about some of the same stuff we're going to be talking about in here. Now, if you've been here with us or if you've been watching us online or if you've just been listening to the podcast, then you know that we have been studying the book of James. We're on James chapter 2, starting today in verses 14 through 26. Now, this is a very, <clears throat> very significant passage in terms of doctrine and how people think, somewhat of a controversial passage. In this, in this regard, whenever they were actually putting together the canon, which the canon is where they actually decided what books of the Bible were going to be part of the Holy Scriptures, this particular book, James, was one of the areas that was con of contention because of some of the difficulties specifically related to this particular section in James chapter 2, and you'll begin to see why it is a difficult passage. He starts off here, you remember he's been writing to these Jewish believers who are scattered throughout the provinces and they're trying to figure out how to make their new faith in Christ, this Christianity, which at this point there isn't even a word called Christianity. All right, These people are, are kind of converts who are believing in Jesus but were, had Jewish background, and they're trying to figure out what all of this means. And so he talks to them about how the difficult times they face in life, their tests, their trials, their tribulations. He talks to them about the importance of resisting temptation and how you got to try to live out your faith. And then he goes on to talk about this. Remember, he said that true religion was helping widows and orphans. You remember when Todd talked about that and, and helping those and living a, a good life. And so now he kind of moves into the basis of why that's so important. And so we start here in James chapter 2 in verse 14. He, 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 there's a verse here and he basically asks two questions, okay? He says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? So he asks two questions related to a proposition that he makes. And the proposition is that if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions, he asks two questions. Is your faith any good, if that's the case? And number two, can that kind of faith save you. Now, let's talk for just a moment about what he's talking about here when he says if you have faith. So faith is the belief system that you have in God and your relationship to God. And so we're going to talk about that. But if you say you have faith, if you say you have a relationship with God, but you don't show it by your actions, he asks two questions. Number one, is your faith, is your relationship to God any good? And number two, can that kind of faith, that type of relationship where you say you know God, but you don't show it by your actions, will that actually save you? These are very important questions. Matters of faith are very important. And the, much of the New Testament and much of the Bible is about how do I have a legitimate faith? How does my faith in God translate to usefulness in the world and then ultimately into a movement into my salvation into the next life. And so these are very important questions, very complex questions. It's important 
to remember when we're looking at scriptures in the Bible that words are used in different ways. And so we have to look at the totality of the Bible. You can't take one particular thing out of context. For example, Jesus said when he was teaching at one point, he said, if your right eye causes you to sin, what do you do? Plug it out. He says, if your right hand causes you to sin, what do you do? Cut it off. Now, was Jesus literally advocating for everyone to be walking around with one eye and one hand? No, he was communicating something, and he was using language to do it. And language is fallible. The scriptures are infallible, all right? But language has some challenges, and so that's why we have to do what is asked of us in Timothy, which is rightly divide the word of truth so we can have understanding. And many of us have seen how a misunderstanding or a misinterpreting of the scriptures have led people down some very dark paths. I mean, people literally went to kill others, and they literally went to rape and pillage in, in other lands because they had a wrong understanding of what the scriptures would be. So, so we know we got to try to figure out what does this really mean because this is a very significant couple of questions that we have to ask about our faith. And so we're going to do that this morning. Now, he jumps right here in James chapter 2, the next three verses, he gives an example. And so like anyone else who's trying to explain something, he, he, he asks a rhetorical couple of questions. All right? If you say you have faith in God but you don't have any actions, is that any good? Can that faith save you? He asks two rhetorical questions, and the implication is that you and I now should try to figure out what the answer to those questions are, and he's going to give us some examples and some different things to help us formulate a correct answer. So what does he say? He gives an example. He says, suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing. Very real-life example. In our lives, we see people who are in need. They don't have any food or clothing. He says, and you say, hello, goodbye, friend, and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? Well, it definitely may do you some good because you can save something, right? But it doesn't do any good for what? For the person who doesn't get any food or doesn't get any clothing. So what, what is he basically saying there? He's saying... You see, faith by itself isn't enough. So unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. All right? It's basically action. Now, it's very important that you understand this because this is critical. Because if you get off on understanding what the Bible says here, it can lead you down a path that can also trip you up. You see, many people feel like they have to earn God's grace. And, and they read something like this and they don't understand the full ramifications of it. And so they think, okay, well, if my faith is useless, if it doesn't produce good deeds. And that's true. But so what do they do? They try to do a bunch of good deeds instead of focusing on having faith. So you got to understand, what is he saying here? What he's saying is that real faith produces right actions. All right. It's not words are just not enough. All right? Words are never enough. Words are good, but it's action. Faith that is real produces action. Good deeds, right action. All right? If it doesn't produce those things, guess what? It's not real faith. It is dead faith. 
all right? So many people have a dead faith. They have a mouth faith, right? They make a confession, but they don't do anything about it. They talk a little bit about God, but they don't do anything about it. And so their actions don't match what? What they say. Now, you've heard me teach many times, because I believe it to be true in the Scriptures, that hey, how you think is the most important part of the process, right? That's why you have to renew your mind. Your mind is the control center, and how you think affects how you feel, and then that does what? Translates into action. So you want to definitely think right. You want to believe right mentally, but it has to come out in action. That is what real living faith is. So he also then does something very interesting. <clears throat> he basically answers that question. So if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions, the first question was, is your faith any good? No, it's no good. You have a dead faith. Now, this leads each of us to have to ask some questions of ourselves. Is my faith any good? Is my relationship to God any good? Here are some questions that you and I can ask ourselves in response to this. Number one, do I show my faith by my actions? I mean, do the things that you do. See, that's where deeds come from, is what you do. It's, it, it's what you do or you don't do. It's your action. So do my actions demonstrate what I say that I believe? All right? Does my faith, my relationship to God, does it produce... Go back to those questions for me, Brendan. Does it produce good deeds? I mean, when you think about what you believe about God, what you say about your relationship to God... Does it guide you to do certain things? Now, obviously, the fact that you're here, it has guided you to do what? To assemble together as part of being a Christian, all right? Does it guide you whenever you're out on Monday in the way you talk to people? Does it guide you on Tuesday when you encounter someone on the road that you may disagree with? Does it affect what you do on Wednesday, Thursday? Friday, Saturday, or is your faith just guide you like once a month you try to make it to church? Does it guide you to wake up at 7.30 or 6.30 or 5.30, whatever, a few minutes early so that you can read some of the scriptures? Does it guide you to stay up just a little bit later so that you can say a few prayers? If it doesn't, is it alive? I don't know. You have to answer those questions. But it's not just what does it cause me to do. Does my faith guide me not to do some things? Does your faith guide you to avoid certain things? Avoid certain people? Avoid certain places? Not act in certain ways? It should. Because why? Is the way you live your life should be different, the Bible explains many, many times, than from everybody else. It doesn't mean that you're better than them. It's just, hey, when you agreed and you made a decision to follow Christ, you said, I surrender my life to his life. And that means I'm going to try to follow his teachings. Well, guess what? His teachings cause you not to do some things that other people might do. And it will cause you to do some things that other people don't want to do. And this is what a good living faith does. Now, none of us are perfect. But if we're honest, how do we measure ourselves? I mean, really, is my faith any good? Is it guiding 
action in my life? And he leaves that question to them. But he doesn't stop there. He notices and he knows that most people are going to struggle because this is not, it's not linear. It's, it's, it's not just black and white. It's, it's, there's some gray here. We've got to figure it all out. And so he writes here and he continues on. He says, now someone may argue. Now people love to argue, don't they? They love to argue with other people. They love to argue with God. And look, it's no different. He says, hey, you may argue. You may have a difference of opinion. And he'll say, some of them will say, I have faith. Others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show, your, show me your faith if you don't have any good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Basically, what's he saying there is prove it. <laughs> you mean, if, you, if your faith is real, it's going to be proven by what you do. You know, some people... <laughs> And he goes on to say, you say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Well, good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds or with right, right action is useless? So what are some of the arguments that he proposes here that you may come to mind or that others are going to wrestle with? The first one is some people are going to say what? Well, doing good deeds isn't for everyone. Doing, do, living right is not for everyone. I meet people who think that. Well, well, that's not for me. That's for them. I, mean, I, I know God. Me and God, we got this thing. I, I, hear, I love it. I, I don't love it, but I just, I'm amazed when people say, me and God, we got this deal worked out. And I'm thinking, this poor soul doesn't understand that God, he's not defined by your deal. Like, he's the one who sets the deal. Like, just because you think everything's cool with you and God, but you hadn't done what God said to do, doesn't mean you're cool with God. If you're watching this online and you're like, yeah, me and God got this deal worked out. Listen, you don't get to dictate the terms of working it out with God. Like he's already dictated what the terms are. The terms are you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. And the only way to get right is to ask for forgiveness, to become a baptized believer and to walk in this new life. So like if you think you figured out the terms of a different deal, be careful. Now, then some will say, well, what about everybody else out there? You know what? I, I, I trust God's going to know what to do with all of that. But I also know that it's been revealed to me what his terms are. So, hey, you want to work it out with God, you got to figure out. And part of the deal is that you do good things. You live right. Your faith produces right action. So you can't say, well, that's not for me. No, it's for you if you want to have a real faith in God. No, it's not my thing. Going to church, that's not my thing. Helping people, that ain't my thing. Oh, giving my money, that ain't my thing. Oh, serving other people, that's not my thing. Not, 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 not avoiding, you know, wild and crazy living, that's not my thing. Guess what? If you're a Christian, that's your thing. Like, if you want to have be a legitimate Christian, all of those plus a whole lot of other things are your thing. Now, you don't get to say what your things are if your faith is real. See, faith, if it's real, means that you are acquiescing. I know that's a big word. To what? To God. And you're saying, I'm surrendering to God. Like, he's not surrendering to you. You're surrendering to him. And it's not like he's even making you. That's what's another interesting thing. I mean, I often wonder, why didn't God just make us do it? You ever want to just say, why do I struggle with this? Why don't God just make me do this? It's not how he works. You get to choose. But if you want your faith to be alive and real, you got to choose to follow him. 
course, then some say, well, I believe in God. He, he shoots that argument down right. He says, what? Demons believe in God. I mean, that's just a reality of God. Now, there's a few people who are so, they're so smart and so educated they don't believe in God anymore, but that's nothing new either. So some people's faith is dead. Other people have what he refers to, I'm going to call demon faith. Hey, well, I believe in God. A lot of people believe in God. But belief in God in terms of a mental assent to the proposition that there is a creator out there, a designer for this universe, that's not real faith. That's just accepting of that reality. So, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions, can that kind of faith save you? He's just laying all this information out there. Talks about it as being a dead faith. He talks about this demon faith where it's just, hey, I believe in God, but that doesn't mean I follow him. And then he begins... <clears throat> to give us a couple of examples from the Old Testament, which is appropriate to this particular reader because why? They're of Jewish background. And remember, for the Jew, there really wasn't a big concept of grace, all right? For the Jew, the concept was you actually literally had to work and had to do certain things to earn your salvation, whether it was through the sacrificial system or all of these types of things. Well, you can imagine that if you were raised to believe that the only way to be right with God was you had to go down and you had to buy this bull or you had to buy that dove or you had to buy this lamb and that somebody had to do this, and then you saw the abuses within that system and the corruption and all that, and so you were already skeptical of all of that kind of stuff. You had to do this and you had to do that. And then somebody comes along like Paul and who says, hey, it's not about any of that sacrificial system. It's really, it's all about what's in your heart and what you believe. And so you don't have to worry about all that stuff. Well, you can see very easily how it could get twisted, how people could kind of go down the wrong path. And they're like, okay, so really it's not even about what I have to do. I don't have to do anything. All I got to do is just show up at church. All I got to do is get baptized. All I got to do is this one particular thing. And so in this context, James wants you to understand that, hey, it is includes what you do because what you do is really the best projection of what you believe. You see, if you truly believe something, it affects what you do. If you don't really, I mean, we look, all of us have things that we kind of mentally assent to, but we don't really believe them in the faith sense that we change our actions based on it, right? I mean, we, we believe that, <clears throat> that you can get in trouble for speeding. You know, but how many of us speed every week? Why? I mean, they probably don't catch you. I got a good how many seven miles an hour over my, you know what I'm saying? I ain't worried about that. What are the chances? So you know what I'm saying is, is we, we, we assent to things mentally, but, but when we, now hold on. If somebody's driving at you and they flash their lights to you, you're going down the highway. Do you still speed then, or do you slow down? You slow down, why? Because now you really believe that you need to follow the law. It's gotten more, it's, it's, it's real to you, and that's the way faith is. As long as your faith is just kind of this abstract concept out there, uh, yeah, okay, well, yeah, that, but whenever it's real, 
it produces action. And it's always been that way. There have been people from the beginning of time who, who have a faith that's dead, who have a faith that's the same as what the demons have, where they just, oh, I believe in God, but I still just want to live my life the way I want to live. God's a good thing. I'll deal with him later, maybe right before that. It's a cool thing. Um, you know, or either I just want to do a few little things, but I don't want it to affect every part of my life and how I live. All right, But that's never been what real living faith is. And he gives us a couple examples here to help especially the Jewish person, understand. The two examples are found in 21 through 25. He says, Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham, the most significant figure to a Jew, was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the Scriptures say. Abraham believed God and counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Now here's where it became interesting is because there are places where Paul writes, he's writing to a little bit different audience, and he emphasizes that it's way more about faith than it is works. And guess what? It is. Real faith, genuine faith, is not about earning God's grace. You can't earn God's grace by doing any set of things. And you know why that doesn't work? It's because the only thing that can make you right, the Bible word for that is justified, is whenever you allow the grace of God through the sacrifice of Jesus to make you right with God. But when that happens in a real living way, guess what? Now you are going to do things differently. You're going to act in different ways. And whenever you don't act in the right ways, you're going to feel bad that you didn't. And you're going to be convicted of that and you're going to struggle because this is what's happened to you on the inside. Listen, if you are constantly doing all the things that you know you shouldn't do, things that are contrary to what the Bible teaches, and you don't feel convicted about them, or you don't feel bad about them, and you don't feel the Holy Spirit trying to redirect you, I'm going to tell you, my friend, you got a real major concern. You need, to, you need to really do business with God because this is the process. When you have a genuine faith, you're not perfect. You're still going to struggle with, with brokenness and wrong desires, and you're not always going to do the right thing. But guess what? You're going to feel convicted because it's now you're going against the new spirit that's within you, okay? So, but on the same hand as that, if you are just constantly trying to do good, constantly trying to earn your way into heaven, do good deeds, do this, do that, but yet you can't ever feel satisfied because you're like, you don't feel like you're good enough, you need to pause. And guess what? You'll never be good enough. You see the, the, the irony here of what it is? It's all about your faith in Jesus Christ, but real, true, living faith produces action. If you think you have faith, but it doesn't produce action, wrong. your faith isn't right. If you're constantly trying to do, 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 but you never feel like you're good enough and you're trying to earn God's grace, you still don't have real faith. The key is to have real faith that's initiated by God whenever He brings you into this relationship with Him. Now, the second... <clears throat> Example is Rahab. 
Rahab the prostitute, if you remember her story, she was the one who helped the spies when they were going to the land, a real significant story. And she believed, but she did more than just believe. She took risk by helping the spies, all right? And so her actions were an example of showing her faith. When Abraham was willing, he didn't have to do it, but he was willing to make a tremendous sacrifice because he trusted God. This showed the authenticity of his faith. Look, if there's no actions demonstrating your faith, your faith is dead. It's not real. And you don't want that because that question, can that kind of faith save you? Now, I'll be the first to admit, I don't want the job of deciding who's saved and who's not. I'm different from a lot of preachers. I, I, I don't even want to begin to tell you who's in and who's out. All right? Now, I want to point you to what the scriptures say, and I want you to do as the apostle says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I want to try to shed light on what the scriptures tell us, and I want to make you... Make sure that you understand that you don't get to dictate the terms God does. you got to figure all that out for yourself, and there's plenty of information there. I can share my story with you. I can share the story of many others, but I'm not the judge and jury on who's in and who's out, and I don't ever want to be. But I think you need to wrestle with that question because there's just so much writing on it. You know what I'm saying? If, if you believe in the eternal soul and that you're going to live on past this life and this life is a vapor and there's so much more, I mean, any amount of time that you spend thinking about this and reflecting on it is time well spent. And young people, you don't have forever because life can change in a moment. So you got to really think about these things. And so this is, these are questions that people have asked forever is, hey, can, can that, you know, am I, what, what saves me? How do I make things right with God? These folks were wrestling with it, and the, the Bible wanted to make them clear that, hey, if your faith doesn't produce action, it's not real. And so, no, the only saving faith is living faith, not dead faith. Dead faith won't save you. Demon faith, which I'm calling demon faith, just a play on words, is, oh, I believe in God. That's not going to save you either. Like, you're not going to get there and say, oh, I believe in God. What's up, God? Made it. I did whatever I wanted to. I went wherever I wanted to. I didn't sacrifice anything. I didn't ask Jesus to save me. I, didn't for, I don't need you to forgive me my sins, but I'm here. I made it. Guess what? I'd be highly concerned, highly concerned if I were you, and that's the way I thought about it. If you're watching this or hearing this today, no. I think the scriptures teach that the only thing that really will save you is a living faith. And when I say a living faith, I mean a faith, a relationship with God. That's what we're talking about here. That is living in the sense that you're doing things. You're not doing things. That it's reflected in right actions, in your deeds. Which is why he sums up this in verse 26. He says, just as the body is dead without breath, if any of you ever been around somebody dead, they ain't breathing. Their life is gone. He says what? Faith is dead without good works. 
without right action. Look, I, I really don't want anyone that I know to fall victim to the belief, the belief I consider to be very misguided, that if you do A, B, C, and D, then you got a check mark with God and that you can do whatever you want. I, I, I wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly refute that belief. Now, there are probably people who would disagree with me, and that's okay. But I want to make sure you at least hear my side of the story or my understanding of the story. Is don't think that there's just a little set of check marks. Set a prayer. Got some water. Got christened as a kid. So-and-so prayed for me there. Or so and looked as a person I met last week. He said, well, I ain't, I'm not going to make it, but they're going to pray me through. Listen, don't, don't be counting on somebody else to pray you through. All right? You need to understand that the seriousness of your life, the part about humanity that is so, or one of the parts about humanity that is so unbelievably important is that you get to decide and play a part in what happens in your life. You're not completely governed by instinct or by circumstances, right? You know, not like all the rest of the order. All of nature is governed in a different way except for you, a human being who has the image and the imprint of God in them. They're so valuable that He's given them, given you, given me a choice in how we're going to live this life and what it's going to mean in the end, whatever that end may be. And the Bible makes it very clear that the things that we do as a result of what we say we believe are going to dramatically impact what happens not only here, but in the hereafter. Make sure that you're prepared. And ask yourself in a very serious way, whether you're in person, whether you're watching this, whether you listen to this on a podcast, is your faith alive? Is it real? Or is it dead? Is it useless? Is my faith alive? Is your faith alive? And I really guess that the follow-up to that <clears throat> is can you prove it? Because that's what's going to matter. He even uses that example, can you prove it? Can you prove that your faith is alive by the things that you do or don't do? I'm going to ask you today, prove that your faith is alive. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, one of the right actions that you're to take according to the Bible is that you're supposed to confess your sins you're supposed to ask God to forgive you for your sins, and then you're supposed to choose to be baptized as an example and a commitment to this new faith. Like, there's some people who, who get right up to the point of, oh, uh, they just, you, you, you got to prove it by what you do. All right? Some people have done that, but yet they're not proving it out there by their actions. They're still doing what they want to do, going where they want to go, being who they want to be. Look, if your faith is real, you got to go where He wants you to go. 
You got to do what he wants you to do. You got to be who he wants you to be. And the good news is, when you do that, not only will you have the assurance that your faith is alive, but now you're going to have purpose and you're going to have meaning and your life is going to be better than it ever was before because now it's going to be filled with what? The Holy Spirit. Wouldn't you mess up? And you will. What do you do? How do you, how do you prove that? You, look, when you mess up is a perfect opportunity to prove that your faith is real. Right? When you mess up, instead of trying to hide it, instead of trying to blame somebody else, instead of trying to run in a different direction, what is the right action that the Bible says you take when you mess up? God, forgive me for my sins. I'm sorry. I'm going to do my dead level best. I'm going to try. And then when I get up, I'm going to ask for forgiveness. But guess what? I'm not going to be so dumb as to go get back in the same place, doing the same thing at the same time. No. Now I'm going to try to realign whatever my environment is, realign whatever my um, external influences are that caused me to do that so that now I won't do it again. You see, that's, that's the right action. So that's a good deed. That's the good deed that proves your faith is real when you mess up. If you don't ever do that, <laughs> maybe your faith isn't real. I don't know. But you better know. Because let me just assure you of this. 100% and then we're done. When you get to that day, and we have all these analogies for it, standing before the pearly gates, the great judgment seat, whatever you want to call it, okay? When you get there, you can't call to me. I can't help you. You can't say, oh, well, Brother Jason, Brother Jason, he, he dumped me in the water. Or Brother Jason, he prayed for me. You can't call to Mama. You can't call to nobody else. They're in but one name that's going to matter. And we sang about him earlier, didn't we? And that's the name of Jesus. And the only way to truly call on his name is to do it while you're here and to surrender your life to him. And I hope and pray that every one of us makes a decision to follow him. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for your tremendous sacrifice. I pray, Lord, that each of us would examine ourselves and see if our faith is living and real and alive. I pray against any form of deception, darkness, and confusion that would lead someone to embrace a dead and useless faith. May we not rest until we have proven our faith is real through our loving actions to serve others. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.